0: G'day and welcome to On The Road with Mike and Andy, the number one weekly Australian podcast made for Aussie truckies by Aussie truckies. You can listen to On The Road on the Australian Big Rig Show and via podcast on iTunes, Spotify and SoundCloud. Search for On The Road Aussie Trucking Podcast and hit subscribe. On The Road is brought to you by NTI, Australia's leading transport and logistics insurer, leading the way with specialist products, experienced people. Accredited repair and recovery networks and industry advocacy for more than 45 years. Major podcast sponsor NTI, nti nti.com.au G'day and thanks for joining us. This week on the road, my chats with Heather Jones, big rig driver in WA, leader of the legendary Pilbara Heavy Haulage Girls and instantly recognisable by her bright pink Mac. A little later in our Ask the Expert segment, We take a long, hard look at what we need to know and do if we're unfortunate enough to be involved in an incident on the road. We'll be introducing you to one of the hottest new music acts in the country today. They're called Street Pieces and we'll be playing their hit Mouth of a Lion. All that plus our regular news and a whole lot more. So get yourself comfortable, crank up the volume and let's do this.
1: Yogi from Outback chuckers, And when I'm on the road, we're always on the road doing stuff out on the road. But when we're on the road, we're listening
2: to the big rigs on the road. Right? <laughs> G'day, this is Simon Smith here from the Australian Big Rig Radio Roadshow.com. and Radio is what we do across Australia 24-7. Loads of trucking classics every hour. If you'd like to drop us a line, love to hear from you at some stage, our email address... Big Rig Radio at Yahoo.com.au. Catch it down the road and take it steady out there. The Australian Big Rig Radio Roadshow.com.
0: Never let it be said that we don't listen to the suggestions and requests of our listeners. Let me read a message that came through this week from Dave, a truckie in Victoria, who said, and I quote, Mate, love the podcast and look forward to listening in each week, but you guys need to realise not all of us like country music. Can you play some kick-ass rock stuff sometimes too for us younger blokes? So this week, Dave, we're bringing you some rocking good music from one of Oz's best new up-and-coming bands. They're called Street Pieces, they hail from Brizzy, and their lead singer, Ben Tilney, has been acclaimed as the next Michael Hutchence. Here's Ben and Street Pieces with Mouth of a Lion, just because you asked for it.
3: This is Ben Tilney from Street Pieces, and you're listening to On The Road with Mike and Andy.
2: Heather Jones is a truckie up in the northwest of Western Australia. She's been in a truck for a long time, I believe, raised her girls in the back of a truck. Yes. Homeschooled them in the sleeper. I first heard about you on a show called Conversations about four years ago and was gobsmacked by what you've been through and the things that you've achieved and the points that you've tried to make. I've seen things that have happened along the way and I've sort of peripherally watched what's going on. I'm on the East Coast in Sydney. And where are you?
4: I'm in Caratha in my yard. It's heading towards 40 degrees. It's just after 8am in the morning. Mm. So yeah, a bit of a contrast there.
2: Just a bit of a contrast. I've got the aircon on. <laughs>
4: I'll be heading into the office a little bit later, yes. You
2: will. (laughs) So where's the big pink Mac?
4: It's in the yard. It's having a new passenger side windscreen replaced today. All right. One of our issues up here is we've got a lot of oversized loads on the road at the moment, doing lots of movements, and vehicles pull over into the gravel and shower us with rocks.
2: You lose a windscreen.
4: Yes, so you lose windscreens on a regular basis up here.
2: You do. So I saw you up there with Glenn Stirl recently and he was having a bit of a drive and you were there supervising. Did he need much supervision?
4: No, no, he was quite good, but the Mac's pretty awesome to drive. That's an automatic. So if you've been out of a truck for a few years, Hmm. the best thing to jump back into is an automatic to get all your skills back on track Hmm. and then go from there.
2: (laughs) I don't know. I, I think I'm man enough to drive an automatic. I'm certainly man enough to wear pink. If I ever get up there, I'll have to have a go.
4: Oh, absolutely. And I think you might change too. Like, you know, I've been chasing gears up and down a box for 30 years. And the two automatics that we've got, I don't know about your left shoulder, but mine's pretty wrecked from being a shorty, pulling my seat forward and trying to change gears pretty much behind your seat. Mm. So, yes, my left shoulder loves the automatic now.
2: Oh, yeah. And the left knee. I know what it's like for me driving around in traffic. (laughs) I had one of those Mercedes Actros things for a week or so not long back and just the change in attitude from not having to chase gearboxes, (laughs) it makes a big difference.
4: We just have to change those that have been driving with a gearbox for many years, sort of ask them, just jump in for a week and see how you go.
2: It's very relaxing, I know from experience now, it is very relaxing. So your big thing, Heather, is training and getting the industry the exposure and helping girls get into the industry, particularly with the Pilbara Heavy Haulage girls. Yes. You drive some of the biggest gear in the world up there on the highways.
4: Yes, we do. Yes.
2: For me to pull up there in my B-double, it'd be like pulling up in a tray truck at Gundagai. <laughs> so, <laughs> what's the story? What makes it so different in the Northwest?
4: Perhaps we might just go back a little bit. Mm. I got into trucking due to my situation, being a single mum and having my children. And a friend of mine offered a shot in his truck. And he said, as long as the girls don't get out of the cab, you can go. So my training was, this is how you change a tyre. Here's a set of keys and off you go. Yeah. And that left a very powerful impact in my mind. Because I think so many people, and we find it with our new drivers that come in to work with us, just think that driving a truck is the same as a car. Yeah. So all it is is, you know, you sit there and you steer. So at one stage with my girls in the truck, we were going down a hill and there was a learner being taught, and this was out um, in the wheat belt in Western Australia. Mm. And as they're going down the hill, they had their foot on the brake. So we had to jake it all the way down and we're fully loaded. We had two trailers full of wheat. And then up the hill, this learner was going quite fast. So we crawled up the next one, crawl gear. gear. Mm. And as we're going down the next one, my daughter Kirsty, who was 11 at the time, and they are very placid, good kids, was sitting in the bunk with her seatbelt on. And she leant over and hit the air horn in my steering wheel that scared the bejeebies out of me. And I turned around and said, what are you doing? Yeah. And she said, mum and she was 11, if this person is being taught by their family or their mum or their dad to behave like this in front of trucks, they need to learn another way. So that sort of got us all thinking. We spent lots of time in the truck, as you said. Yeah, I homeschooled the kids in the truck. And we came up with a plan for road safety, driver education, and later on training new to the industry drivers.
2: Yeah, it's a long way to go. It really is a long way to go. And we see this sort of behaviour all the time. There's been some pretty chilling videos just on that issue. People doing really crazy things, they get frustrated and take some hellish risks sometimes.
4: Absolutely. And I think we as Australian lawmakers don't educate our drivers well. So you don't know what you don't know. Mm. And all of us who are out in the trucks, you know, we cut up to 180, 200 ton over here. Yeah. And we have a situation where we're continually mingling with grey nomads and tourists from overseas because WA and the Kimberleys is the place to be apparently. Mm-hmm. So they hop off a plane, they get into a hire vehicle at the airport mm-hmm. and then they set about heading up north. So we have serious situations because these drivers just don't know what they don't know. Yeah. So if we had a really good training system for car drivers and education system for international drivers, I think we would see our road trauma and injury dramatically drop.
2: Yeah. And it stands to reason, doesn't it, that we don't spend the time and the money to train people on something that's so basic, and having a licence is seen as a right rather than a privilege, I think.
4: A privilege, correct, yeah. Yeah. I don't think that will ever change, because politicians are people-pleasers, they're not people who are out there, except for a few of them. And those few always get their hands tied when they get back into Parliament and try and make change
2: spoken to Glenn about the motivations of different people at different levels of the industry in fact that's what formed the great part of my submission to the Senate inquiry that Glenn's running yeah the motivations the fact that not everyone's on the same page and that's probably one of the greatest problems that we need to address
4: that's right and I I think you know Glenn came for a drive with me in my truck for a couple of days I think was three or four days yeah and the continual thread that we talked about was Let's not change what doesn't need to be changed, but let's all work together. Like I think in 2007, I was in Queensland doing a gig with some Queensland government people over there going to schools and encouraging young girls to look at truck driving as a career. Yeah. And one of the ladies over there said to me, do you know we have 111 organisations in Australia that represent truck drivers?
2: 111.
4: And that was in 2007. And I nearly fell off my chair and I thought, "Yeah, wow, 111. And see, you know, that's a, a huge thing at you divide and conquer. If we all work together and before you join an organisation that represents you, do your homework. Yeah. But I strongly encourage everyone to join an organisation that really has their interests at heart. Yes. You know, there's some really big ones around and there's some small ones in your state. Yeah. Just do your own research. And if we all want change... Stop jumping on Facebook and bagging people, Hmm. but actually go and join an organisation and try and make change so that we can all change this wonderful industry, but make it safe.
2: Yeah. So in Western Australia, we've said several times, I was talking to Yogi Kendall and, and others, that Western Australia is a very, very different freight task to what we have over here on the East Coast. I mean, your bulk commodities you're allowing access to mines for example to ports like particularly up around the northwest yes because they don't have rail access yeah very 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 big combinations compared to what we run over here i look at some of the stuff that you guys run over there that i've seen on the rail highway when i've been over in perth Yeah. people would have a kitten if we ran that around the m7 in sydney you know
4: oh absolutely yeah so we have 60 meter road trains up here <clears throat> and they cart up to 200 tonne
2: yeah
0: we'll be back for the rest of this great chat right after this. There's nothing more devastating for a truck operator than to be involved in a serious road incident. We've all seen the impact of heavy vehicle accidents and at these times, when people are most vulnerable, it's critical that they have immediate support from a strong, stable, reliable and experienced organisation. For more information, visit the website at nti.com.au or go to the NTI Facebook page.
2: So how is it then you think that you managed to get through life over there? I mean, you don't have logbooks in the same way we do, although you do have driving hours restrictions. It's not just open slather, but we talk about national heavy vehicle rules and everyone being on the same page. The reality of it is is that the Territory and Western Australia in particular, the miles that have to be covered to get from one place to another, it really doesn't sort of allow for that prescriptive approach, does it?
4: No, and also... One rule doesn't fit all. Mm. A 60-metre road train driving through Canberra obviously doesn't fit. Yes. And also the driving hours over here are made because exactly what you just said, the distances that we have to travel. Mm. So when I leave Caratha and I head to Tom Price or Newman, Mm. I have one truck rest area. One serviced one. So it's called a place called OSCE. Yes. And that's uh, 450 Ks from Karratha. So there's one place that I can pull my truck into
5: where we fit. Yep.
4: There's no other service stations. There's no other facilities. There's nothing. So between Caratha and OSCE, it sometimes it takes longer than five hours. So you do have to pull over and grab your 20-minute break before you get to OSCE. Yeah. But those rules for WA are made so that we can cope with the conditions and the roads. Yes. It's a lot better to pull up in a roadhouse that's air-conditioned than you've got people in a toilet than pulling up in a truck bay with a gazillion flies and it's 50 plus degrees. So that is not safe.
2: And you have to sit there and wait for the clock to tick over.
4: Correct, yeah. Well, if you get out, <laughs> yeah, you could struggle with the heat mm. and that would pose sometimes even a worse problem. Yeah. But I really do love what Main Roads WA has done for our drivers in Western Australia our transport inspectors are absolutely awesome Mm. and the majority of them over here are educate rather than legislate and fine so they are awesome as you know i often go over to queensland and sometimes i travel across the bottom but as soon as i go over the border I actually get so nervous mm. that I fill out my logbook correctly. Now, I don't <laughs> think that that is conducive to being a good driver. Like, you know, if, if I'm having a nervous breakdown once I've crossed the border, I'm not focusing on what I'm doing. Yeah. I'm focusing on, oh, heck, I better pull over and make sure I've got that right. Have I got that right? Mm. And you're looking in your mirrors wondering when you're going to be pulled over because they do. Mm. We left Brisbane with two pink trucks a couple of years ago, a driver and I, and we got pulled over a couple of times and followed yeah. because obviously we're in the pink trucks and um, one had a trailer, one was just bobtar. Yeah. Now look, we all want road safety. We absolutely, I live and breathe road safety, but I think every single one of us know that that is not conducive to road safety. Yeah, well,
2: my experience of the transport officers in Western Australia really does sort of echo what you said. When I first started going to Perth with my partner, and we ran Sydney-Perth for three and a half years as a two-up team, and I found myself on the north side of Perth looking for the place where I was going to load, and I ended up on a road which had a curfew on it which I didn't know about, Yep, yep. and uh, I'm sitting on the side of the road with the map on the steering wheel trying to work out exactly where the hell I was. And a transport car pulled up in front of me, and I thought, oh, no. I'm
4: going to jail, yeah.
2: <laughs> you know, I had an inkling I was sort of probably not in the right place. You know, you just get that feeling sometimes, you no, know, this is, yeah. doesn't look like I'm in the right place. Yep. And the guy said, there you go, mate. You look a little bit lost. And I said, oh, I'm not a little bit lost, mate. I'm very lost. <laughs> Thinking to myself, you know, here we go, he's going to be wanting to look at me book and look at me papers and it's going to be one of those Spanish Inquisition moments that I've experienced on the East Coast occasionally. Yep. And he said, so where are you going? And I told him where I was going and I showed him the piece of paper with the address and he said, oh, you're not far away and he pointed out where I needed to go. He said, now, I will tell you, he said, the road that you're on right now, you're not supposed to be on for another hour or so. And I said, oh, okay, I suppose that's going to be expensive then. And he said, not this time, mate, but if I see you here again, it will be.
4: (laughs) Yeah. But doesn't that make your whole experience with them good as well? Oh,
2: yeah. Yeah.
4: Next time you are in WA and you're pulled over, you're not going to have a nervous breakdown when you hear them call you on the two-way to pull over.
2: Yeah, well, that's right. I can only say good things about them. I encourage people to act civilly when they get pulled up by anyone. You're never going to win the argument with a bloke with a pen. Yep. But they don't make the rules either, so... No, that's right. There's a certain amount of attitudinal stuff that comes in from both sides, but I can honestly say the guys that I encountered in WA were always respectful, always good, always fair.
4: Yes, and I have too, and I've been here 30 years. So I've had a few that I've met, yep. and they have always been reasonable hmm. and very good, and we often speak with them about road safety as well and what they think we should try and implement in our training and, and through the committees that we sit on. Hmm. And they said, you know, when you get out of the truck, how you treat me is how I'll treat you. So I think that's a really good key too. If, yeah. If you want to be respected, then you need to treat others with respect.
2: Indeed. So we're getting to the tail end of it now. Anything that you really want to add? We haven't talked about that you'd want to tell us about over here. <laughs>
4: Yeah, what I think all of us in the industry would be really great to do, and that is we don't have enough drivers to fill the jobs that the whole of the country has. And if every single one of us just trained one new driver, just one, like check with your employer, see if you can take them out in the cab with you. There are insurances that can be covered that are very, very cheap. Those passengers can be covered by that insurance. And just take them out and start training the way we learned with our dads or our uncles when we grew up, because there's no use complaining that we've got to import drivers or we don't want women on the road or we don't want this certain person or that certain person. If you have that opinion, Mm. get off your butt, go and start training at least one new driver. If we just all trained one new driver in the next two months, Mm. we would have double the amount of drivers we have now. And that doesn't fall onto one person's shoulders or one organisation's shoulders but train them properly, train them from from changing tyres upwards, and then we'll have professional safe drivers to fill the seats of our
2: trucks throughout the nation. It's a great thought, actually. I reckon that's probably one of the most sensible things I've heard said for a long time. All right. Thanks very much for your time, Heather. I do appreciate it. Thank you, Mike. Enjoy the heat up there. I hope your air conditioner doesn't let you down.
4: Oh, me too. We've got five months to go. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I'll certainly get in touch with you if I get up that way. I want to come up and have a look and I'd love to come and spend a day with you and see what you do.
4: Look, I have an open offer to anybody who, especially educators or decision makers, anybody who would like to come and spend a couple of days in any of our trucks, Mm. you are more than welcome Just let us know. We have accommodation. We can accommodate you and take you out for a run in the truck and get you behind the wheel and see what it's like up here.
2: Sounds like a great deal. Thanks very much, mate. Take care.
0: Thanks, Mike. Hey everyone, Kermie here. Hope you're travelling well, staying safe and on the right side of the white line, by which of course I mean the left. I also hope you're tuning in to the On The Road podcasts with Mike and Andy, because if you're not, two things will happen. One, you'll be missing out on some great interviews, a good few laughs and what's generally going on out there in Truckland. Uh What's the other thing? Ah, that's it. You won't have heard this plug for On The Road. Okay then, so those of you who are already on here,
3: go and tell your mates about On The Road. They can find it on Spotify or iTunes at On The Road Aussie Trucking Podcast. But you knew that, didn't you? Because you're already... Yeah, look, just go and sell them, okay? Cheers and take care of you.
0: It's time for Ask The Expert, proudly brought to you by NTI. This week, we ask the question, what do I do in the event of an incident? We're joined by Andrew McCowan, NTI's Manager for Incidents and Emergency Response. Good morning, Andrew, and thank you for joining us as our guest expert this week.
1: Well, thank you for asking me.
0: Andrew, we're taking a good look at the things every truckie needs to know, should they be unfortunate enough to be involved in an incident on the road. But before we dive into that, can you share with us a little bit about your own background? You've been in and around the industry for quite a long time, I believe.
1: Yeah, I've been in the heavy transport industry going on 30 years. I've been in the heavy recovery industry for 25 years. Mm -hmm. In my role in that, I was the manager of a very large heavy recovery firm here in southeast Queensland. And it gave me insights to my new job, which is now the Incident Emergency Response Manager for National Transport Insurance.
0: Okay. So let's have a good look at the subject here. Let's paint a hypothetical picture. Mm-hmm. You're a driver. You've just been involved in an incident on the road. What happens next? What do we need to do?
1: Dust yourself off, I guess. Yeah. Immediately be aware of your environment, mm. where you might be, whether you're on like, a freeway or, or you're on an outback road uh orientate yourself. Yeah. If you can, in your state of mind, you're able to. You want to start managing your risk. Am I okay? Is everyone else okay? Is there a third party involved? All those sorts of things that you probably would automatically start to think of. Mm. That's what you would start to do. So you get out of your truck, make sure that you're in a safe position first, and you start to look around and see what's happening around you. Right. What comes next? A whole raft of things. Now, it depends on the severity of the accident and, and again, where you are.
0: Sure. Obviously, the most important thing is ensuring your own safety first. If you can't do that, you can't look after others. Yes. What about things like other people in the area, bystanders, towies, police, emergency services?
1: Let's just say you've had a, a quite severe accident. Hmm. Depending on the nature of the vehicle that you're driving, it's a rigid truck or a multi-trailer vehicle, and the other thing to take into account is what your loading is. Whether it has it as goods or dangerous goods that you might or may not be carrying. Hmm. What you really want to do is, as you quite rightly said, is to make sure that you at first are okay and render assistance to anyone else that that you can reasonably do. If, for example, it's just a single vehicle accident and you run off the road, you want to see whether there's any risk to any other road users who may be coming behind you in the dark of night. Right. Or alternatively, on a fast-running freeway, that you may be able to make a phone call to somebody and get immediate assistance about controlling the traffic flow. Right. That's what you're looking to do. You're looking to stop a secondary accident. Okay. If it's a serious accident, quite normally ring AAA and alert them of the fact and they would respond in their role as first responders and render assistance to you. It is really a long process. Uh, not many people give it a lot of thought. Yeah. If in our case, once you're convinced that the site was safe, other people were safe around you, you would ring, in example, for NTI, you would ring accidents, this phone number, and we would take some details from you and we would do things on your behalf, So sort of the process of getting you off the road and getting you back to where you should be. Mm. It's a multifaceted thing.
0: Oh, absolutely. Obviously, with NTI, you're able to perhaps be the calm head in that situation and know the right things to do. So having NTI accident assist is obviously going to be a major bonus for you.
1: It does. It works for us quite well. And being a member of the transport industry, I can see it with clear view. If you drive a heavy vehicle down a roadway, you would be reasonably expected that you would have some sort of plan just in case something goes wrong. Mm. In your plan, you should see. think, who is my repairer, who can help me immediately and all those sorts of things. If in the event that you don't have a plan, talk to your insurer. And if you talk to MTI, we'll help you devise one. Mm. We'll act on your behalf. If in the moment, for example, for the program that I head up, which is X Sys program, if you rang our number, we would put all that in place for you. So we arrange a suitable recovery operator in your area. They're likely to be with you even in a space of two hours. We have 35 of them nationally and have a fleet of about 356 heavy tow trucks Australia wide. And we can deal with all sorts of things, including the recovery and repatriation of the truck, the recovery, and repatriation or low continuance of the load. We can deal with things like trauma counselling. We can deal with things like immediate assistance to first responders, fire brigade, ambulance and police. We also have our own trained nurses. If you happen to be injured or you need advice or whatever that may be at the event or after the event, and we can give you all these services as a part of their product. Right. And we do this. We do this on a daily basis. This morning, we've already done four. Wow. Well, and we continue to do those throughout the day.
0: Andrew, if I may, just dive out into the left field a little bit for a moment here. Sure. In the event that there's been an incident, you're putting all this into action and the media turn up. What do you do?
1: Uh, <laughs> it's best to avoid comment. Sure because really you're in no state to make a statement to the media. Hmm. Really best left for those people who are trained in that and who can represent a factual commentary of what's happened. So you possibly want to steer away from that if you can.
0: Yeah, fair enough too. So, Andrew, we've attended to all these necessary steps. Assuming the truck is undrivable, what happens next? Where does it go?
1: Once it's recovered, and recovery can take quite some time, depending on where you are and what it is and how many trailers or whatever that may be, or your load
0: particularly. Mm-hmm.
1: So if it's a dangerous goods, once it's been investigated by the authorities, the police in that state, injury accident will take it anywhere from one hour to four hours or maybe a bit longer for them to do a forensic investigation at which time a recovery operator, hopefully one of ours, will be on site and they'll attend to the recovery of the vehicle or vehicles. Once that's done, they are taken away to a place of safety or a place that you nominate. So give it some thought in the event that you have an accident, who your repairer is. Mm-hmm. And if you are the driver, ask your boss. There should be a card in the truck with some sort of details on if in the event of an accident, please take it. Mm-hmm. Or alternatively, ring our accident assist program and we'll have that sorted out for you. Then we attend to the load, now, whether it's timber or boxes of general freight or whatever, it's got to be recovered and the load has to continue. So that's what we do next. And then once we pick up the load, we remediate the site. So in case of a fuel spill or whatever that may be, even a simple hole in the side of your 500 litre tank now presents a problem. They are spills to ground and they must be dealt with in the appropriate manner. So those are the quirky little things that we have to worry about, cooling on road and those sorts of things in case another vehicle comes in, rainy weather and has a bit of a side. So we attend to all those minor things and then we take your vehicle to where you want it repaired.
0: You spoke there, Andrew, about the repatriation. What do we need to know about important post-incident issues, I guess like if necessary, the driver's personal effects, finding accommodation, those sort of things?
1: Those sorts of things under our program are taken care of for you. If you're not going to a hospital, we'll get into a motel, we'll put you out, we'll get you into a hire car, or we'll organise a flight for wherever you are back to where you, you came from, and they'll be taking care of you quite seamlessly. Right. We do it quite often. We may do that repat three or four times a week. Mm. So that way you know you get home. Things like, geez, I've got no money, I'm gonna have no money for expenses like food or whatever. We'll take care of those incidental things <laughs> that you might not think of. Yeah. In terms of your personal belongings. Our subcontractors will absolutely help you take care of that, and if it goes to a holding yard for evidentiary purposes or something like that, once the police have released them to us, we'll make sure that you receive that back. Right.
0: I guess it goes without saying really, but being involved in an incident can be an exceptionally stressful and even at times confusing situation for a driver. What are some of the important things we might need to remember but could, under the circumstances, easily overlook?
1: There are are so many of them. Mm. In terms of your own safety and well-being, because a lot of adrenaline is flowing through your system. And if a first responder, such as the ambulance, turns up and asks you how you are, do everyone a favor, jump in the back of the ambulance and let them look at you. Mm. And if they make a suggestion, it's usually well-founded. Take their advice. They want you to go off to hospital and get checked out. Please do that. Yeah. Often that doesn't happen and people become quite ill once they've been treated or transported home mm. and some people have passed away. As a result, of their injuries and not bothered to go to hospital and get checked out. Yeah. Your whole world's literally turned upside down and you become disorientated and it's a very surreal thing to happen to you. The reasons why you should are obvious, they're just not obvious to you at the time.
0: Mm. Yeah, fair enough
1: you just want to get back to what you were going yeah so the best way to do that is try and put up a cool head try to be respectful of those who are trying to help you yes usually first and second and third responders will meet in the middle somewhere and compromise to get the best possible outcome for you the community other users
0: yeah fair enough too
1: the message that i would give is have a plan mm. it doesn't take long it can change, but make sure if you have a plan that everyone knows what your plan is and if by virtue of that you give us, that's NTI, your plan, we'll enact your plan. And if you want to do that, talk to your broker and they will do it. We have forms for that and we can carry out to the best of our ability what your wishes are and help you in such a circumstance. We hope it doesn't, but should it ever happen.
0: Our guest this week on Ask the Expert has been Andrew McCowan, Emergency Response Manager for NTI. Andrew, many thanks for sharing your experience and your expertise with us today.
1: No, you're more than welcome.
3: Thank you. G'day, I'm Darren. I'm listening to On the Road on the Australian Big Rig Roadshow.
0: On the Road News is brought to you by Big Rigs, Australia's national road transport newspaper. Morning, Mike. How are you coping with the rapid onset of summer, mate?
2: Day three, mate, and I've had enough of summer already. I've just spent 30 minutes in a chemical suit, mate. I could use a shower. Oh, I'll
0: bet. (laughs) All right. Hey, listen, before we kick into the news, I saw a couple of videos you uploaded onto Twitter last night of a very, very close call you had on the road yesterday. A stand-up moment, as you referred to it. Frightening (laughs)
2: stuff, mate. (laughs) I'm still cleaning my underpants out, mate, seriously. Yeah.
0: That's when you discover that adrenaline's coloured brown, isn't <laughs> it? <laughs>
2: That's right. Uh, it's about as close as it can get without actually having contact. Luckily for me, a bit of local knowledge about you know, how the traffic bank's up there at that hour of the day, and unfortunately, old mate that put the smoke everywhere wasn't quite as aware and mm. paid the price. That's mm. the way it goes. Yeah. It's a real issue, that piece of road, and I actually thought about sending that video through to the transport department just to highlight because that happens every single day there, that accident. Yeah. That accident or one like it, whether it's cars or trucks, every day that happens. And they've redone all the intersection down there at Norellum Road and the Hume Highway trying to fix it, and they really haven't fixed it. What they've done is they've just made the traffic jam maybe a little bit shorter. Yeah. And unfortunately, the end of the tail of the traffic isn't a place where it becomes a surprise for some people, like that poor bloke in that truck. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Mm. Alright, well, Let's kick on with this. Mate, the ATA has a mobile interactive exhibition they've called Safe T360 and it's been designed to help young road users experience road safety by putting them in a virtual sense into the truck driver's seat so they can learn the right way to share the road safely with heavy vehicles.
2: Yeah this is something that's been sponsored by the ATA as you say and it's a brilliant idea Obviously, go and read through the story, but research is telling us that young people between the age of 16 and 25 are way overrepresented in crashes on the roads. And this is why things like this Safety 360 is very, very important. I've always held the view that, you know, if you can get the chance and there's a kid who wants to get up and have a look in the seat of your truck, get them up there and have a look. Let them see what they can't see. Mm. It's amazing. I remember there were some ads done by Mac, which were on the telly, and people were surprised at what people can't see from the cab of a truck. Mm. They can't know if they don't see, and this is one of these things that these young kids are 10 foot tall and bulletproof. I know I was when I was 17, and if you can get them up there and show them, even if it just educates one or two, then that's a great thing, I think. Well done, ATA. Well done, Safety 360. And if I get a chance to have a look at it, I'll certainly go and have a look.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And mate, Aussie truck and trailer equipment business, D'Angelo Engineering, celebrating 52 years of innovation and specialty engineering work in Australia. D'Angelo is a name well-known in the industry, Mike. Yeah. They've done some incredible stuff over the years, eh?
2: Mate, they have. Old mate, Danny's been around for a while. He sort of came to Australia a long, long time ago from Italy. He came over on the ship. He was one of the people that came over in the 50s. He turned 89. His son, Julio, runs the business now. He started in his backyard. He was a truck driver at one time too, Danny was. He had a bit of a nasty crash as well Mm. and paid the price. But he's done the hard yards and he called a lucky break got to manufacture some stuff for some of his opposition. But the D'Angelo turntables and everything, they are as good as anything else that you'll buy for anyone. Yeah. And it's Australian, made, And Danny's a proud Italian-Australian. I think he'd call himself an Australian. But I've never met the man, but I've heard stories about him and all the rest of it. He's one of these people that is a face and a name in the game. And yep. happy birthday, Danny.
0: Indeed. And mate, if you're in any business these days for 52 years, you've got to be doing something right.
2: Well, that's right. They do do some top-quality stuff. And if you have a look at the picture there where everyone's standing around, you see the turntables are like a different shape, square of turntables. Mm. I've often thought to myself, you know, why not? Mm. Why do they have to be round? Yeah. <laughs> like, particularly if they're, you know, if they're fixed turntables. You know, anyway, great stuff.
0: Yeah. Mike, I know we've got you on the side of the road there and you just mm. got a brief minute to talk to us. So, look, we'll leave it at that for now. Yeah. If you guys want to know any more about what's going on, make sure you get on the Big Rigs and you'll see it all there. Thanks for taking the time out, Mike. Appreciate it.
2: No worries at all, mate. And I'll see you next time.
0: Yeah, we'll do. Have a good one, bud. For all the latest industry news, go to www.bigrigs.com.au.
2: Just a quick word about our sponsors, go to our webpage www.ontheroadpodcast.com.au and you can see who the friends of the show are and if their products are something that you're interested in or something that you may need, please support them because they support us and they bring our show to you. When
0: it comes to road transport, safety is everything. Seeing Machines Guardian minimises the risk of fatigue and distraction for drivers and provides real-time monitoring centre analysis and appropriate intervention. Already trusted by more than 400 of the safest road transport businesses around the world, find out how Seeing Machines Guardian can safeguard your fleet, your valuable cargo and most importantly, your drivers. Visit www.seeingmachines.com. Recently, Mike had a great chat with Mick Carter from Beyond Clarity about the importance of maintaining healthy sleep patterns in an industry where it's not always easy to regulate how, when and where we sleep. Our apologies for the slightly less than perfect quality of the sound here, but it's still worth a listen all the same as there's so much important information and valuable tips in this short extract from their interview.
2: Now, you've been talking about this book. What's in it? Why do we sleep, mate? What's this bloke got to say about why we sleep?
3: Professor Matthew Walker wrote a book called Why We Sleep. It's an international bestseller. He's the professor of neuroscience and psychology and the director of sleep and neuroimaging laboratory at the University of California, Berkeley. 12 really good tips from a guy who knows what he's talking about and, and I certainly do recommend the book. I'm making everybody in my family read it because it's a very important health book. The back of the book in the appendix part gives 12 tips for healthy sleep. I can't read you the whole, but I'll give you a summary. Number one, stick to a sleep schedule. Go to bed and wake up the same time each day. So really get your body into a rhythm. Now, we're creatures of habit, so do that. Exercise is great for a good night's sleep, but not too late in the day. I was driving only last night past, and there was a gym, and it was about 9 o'clock at night, and there was all these people in the gym. You know, he's telling you don't be in the gym at 9 o'clock at night. That's going to impact on your sleep. Avoid obviously coffee and caffeine, nicotine, those sorts of things, but particularly after 12 lunchtime. If you can avoid them, avoid alcoholic drinks before bed. You can't start your REM process and therefore you're in full stages of non-REM until the alcohol is out of your body. Okay, so until it's all been processed through your liver, you actually don't even start dreaming, right? So you know having a big night on the sauce has a significant impact on your sleep. It's not the alcohol that's actually bad for you, it's the what it's doing to your sleep that's way worse. Avoid large meals and beverages late at night. You know, a little snack fine, but if you're going to have a meal, have it many hours before you do go to bed. I know that can be hard for some drivers with their schedule, but that's the advice. Number 6, avoid medicines that delay or disrupt your sleep. So that's going to be hard for some, but there are some stuff for coughs and colds and that sort of stuff that could be replaced with more herbal remedies. Because some of those things, you know, your pseudo-fed one that can really impact, you know, some people, especially if they're not great sleepers. So be careful about them and look for alternatives. If you do have to manage some health issue, see if you can get the herbal remedies. Don't take naps after 3 p.m. because that's going to impact on your ability to go to bed later on. Relax before bed. So, you know, obviously reading, uh, listening to music, and that should be part of that. Some people like to meditate a little bit to go to bed so that can get them really relaxed. Take a hot bath before bed. Now, this is really interesting because you actually sleep well when your body's cooling, right? So if you're sleeping under too hot of blankets, too hot of dunas, I've spoken to a couple of my friends who've got these really hot dunas and we're in Brisbane, I'm saying that is just a totally inappropriate bit of bed wear for you because it's just going to be too hot and you're going to actually heat yourself up. The reason you have a bath is you know, when you hop out of a hot bath, you get all red skin. But what that does is it's bringing all the blood to the skin surface, and because all the blood's on the skin surface, you cool down radically. And so that cooling is really important part of the thing. So don't overheat yourself in bed, and a hot bath can help as well. Number 10, dark bedroom, cool bedroom, gadget-free bedroom. I think we know a fair bit about the blue light stuff associated with iPhones and iPads. And obviously keeping the room cool and obviously keeping it as dark as you can is very important. But the blue light thing and the LED light part of the thing is very, very important. And fortunately for smartphones and all the things they can offer, an iPad and sort of stuff, looking at them tired of going to bed destroys your ability to produce melatonin and you need melatonin to sleep. Have the right sunlight exposure. If you're sleeping through the day because you're trying to catch up, you're going to put your time clock out because you don't get 12 hours of sunlight exposure. Your body actually works on a biorhythm and it kind of goes, okay, well, I've had 12 hours of that and I must be coming up for a sleep. Tip 12 is don't lie in bed awake. If you're still awake and you're staying in bed, some people start getting anxious and worried about that fact they can't go to sleep. He says get up and do some relaxing activity until you feel sleepy. If I'm doing that, I'll get up and watch some really boring movie or a doco that often helps me just get there. But don't lie in bed fretting about it and then say, oh God, I can't sleep, whatever. Get out of bed, go and do something relaxing, go and read a book, don't use your iPhone, do something else. Even, again, a meditation might work. There's meditation apps you can bet, put it in your ears, lie down, just listen. The meditation apps for sleep work really, really well. You listen into to the thing, you follow the exercise they're doing before you know it, you're having a good night's rest.
0: Well, that brings us to the end of another On The Road show. We hope you enjoyed it. On The Road is brought to you by NTI, Australia's leading transport and logistics insurer, leading the way with specialist products, experienced people, accredited repair and recovery networks, and industry advocacy for more than 45 years. For all your transport insurance needs, visit the website at nti.com.au. For more on-the-road news and additional features, visit our website at www.ontheroadpodcast.com.au. If you'd like to share your thoughts on the podcast, offer suggestions or just let us know what's on your mind, send us an email to mike at ontheroadpodcast.com.au. Be sure to join us same time next week for the next episode on the road. In the meantime, play nice with each other and most of all, stay safe out there. Bye for now. Bye-bye. The team here at On The Road are great believers in the right to freedom of speech, and whilst we might not always be in 100% agreement with the views and opinions of our guests and contributors, we firmly support their right to hold and express those opinions.